Let us pray. For if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Matthew 6:14. My dear precious Savior, you paid the ultimate price with your own life to ransom me from the clutches of sin and death. You did for me what I could never do for myself. You took the punishment for my sins and died in my place while I was yet a sinner. You forgave me all the years of sinning and gave me the greatest gift of all, eternal life. There is nothing I can do to ever repay you for this enormous debt of love I owe you. The least I can do is forgive those who trespass against me, even as you forgave me when I sinned against you, Lord. If I hold on to the resentment and anger towards those who have sinned against me, you will not forgive me of sin in my heart. If I forgive others, then you will forgive me. No one will ever sin against me like the sin you, an innocent man, experienced in my place. Teach me how to forgive so I don't get tangled up in the snares of the enemy and can walk before you with a clear conscience. Purify my heart, Lord, and wash me of all unforgiveness. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to today's daily prayer. For more inspiration and an incredible message from our feature pastor, stay tuned to Pray.com's Sunday Service. Welcome to Pray.com's Sunday Service, sponsored by Altrua HealthShare. Follow this podcast and listen weekly to receive godly wisdom and practical advice for daily living. Stay tuned for Sunday Service, coming up after a quick word from our sponsors. There's an innovative, better way to find health care. We're Altrua HealthShare, an affordable and flexible way to take care of your family. We're a community of like-minded, health-conscious individuals who share in each other's medical needs. And you can customize your health care your way with Altrua HealthShare. You can build your membership based on your season of life and your family's needs. Head to myshare.org to find out more. That's myshare.org. Altrua HealthShare, where we care for one another. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbiotica is your solution to great-tasting all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or artificial nonsense. It's just pure goodness in every pouch. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbiotica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbiotica.com. That's C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A.com. Hi, I'm Cindy Crawford, and I'm the founder of Meaningful Beauty. Well, I don't know about you, but, like, I never liked being told, oh, wow, you look so good for your age. Like, why even bother saying that? Why don't you just say you look great at any age, every age? That's what Meaningful Beauty is all about. We create products that make you feel confident in your skin at the age you are now. Meaningful Beauty. Beautiful skin at every age. Learn more at MeaningfulBeauty.com. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, 
Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. This is Julia Gentry. Julia is a national speaker. She has been an entrepreneur and she also has been in real estate. I am honored and I'm humbled to be here. I'm on fire. You guys, be careful coming early to get prayed by Pastor Peter's prayer team. That's all I have to say. <laughs> I was like, Oh man, okay, yeah, so I'm so glad to be here. My name is Julia Gentry, and really the best part about my life is my babies, my family. So can I just give them a shout out real quick? I have one of them here with me, but I also have my crew with me. I don't know if you can show that picture, but I would love. Can I show them off for just a second? They're so cute. Yeah, I, I'm a wife, and I'm a new mom of five. How cute are they? That's Malachi and Aslan, Nixon, Zion, and Roxy, and they really are the best, coolest part of my life. And of course, the centerpiece who's holding all of us is my husband, Travis Gentry, who I love with my whole heart. And they are the wind beneath this message. They are the wings. They are my champions. They are my behind-the-scenes, front-scenes chaos of my life. It's amazing. It's amazing. (laughs) And he says he's 10 times cuter in real life than in that picture. So if you want to come and shake his hand later, he would love to do that. Um, My company is called The Dream Factory and Co., and we are a ministry with one mission, and that is to make this side of eternity look more like heaven, period. That's it. That's what we're here to do. And the way that we do that is by equipping the church to dream again. And we have the awesome privilege of doing that this weekend. Can I get a hand raise if you were here for the conference, Dare to Dream Conference? For those of you who didn't come, I love you, and you really missed it. You really missed it. Actually, we have a quick promo video that we wanted to show you because God showed up and showed off and heaven invaded earth. So we can go ahead and play that. Only time, time will tell them Cause I know I prove them wrong I was made to be a legend For the kingdom, for the throne that I'm actually so connected to something bigger than me that then I have the ability to pull it down and to give it to the world around me. This is what it means to dream.
born to win I was born to win Come on, Jesus. So good. That was one of our ambassadors who read one chapter of my book, stalked me on social media, and has now put that together. His name is Dusty Jenkins with Go Explora. So a shout out to him for his incredible work and his yes, we love him. So to everyone who joined us, thank you. For everyone else who is here today, we are going to go after freedom, okay? So buckle up, buttercup. Hashtag buckle up buttercup. So who is, did not go to the conference, but you would honestly say today, you believe that you are in a season of dreaming. You know that you know right there in the back, girl with the white sweatshirt. Yeah. Malika, you want to go run this book back to her? There you go, baby. God's got a dream for you. Your name's written all over it. He thanks you for you. Yeah. He thanks you for your yes. Yeah. What's your name? Ani? Okay. There you go. Who else? One more person. God's actually given you a book to write. Who is that? The girl, yes. Come here. What's your name? Okay. Come up front. Come here, Malachi. <laughs> Look at he's such a good runner. Give it up for Malachi Gentry. Will you come up? What's your name? Alicia? He is cuter in person. Alicia. God's got a book that he's given you to write. And you've been a little bit resistant for all the reasons. Is that fair to say? Will you just say yes? Okay. yes. Will you say it like you mean it? Yes. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> on, that, on that journal, you're going to find pages and they're blank. And so what it's going to look like some days is you're going to sit down with God and it's going to be blank. And your mind is going to have no idea what to write. And you're going to forget why he asked you to write. And you're going to forget the words and everything. And all he's going to do is ask you to open up the pages and the Holy Spirit is going to use your pen He's going to use your pen. He's actually going to give you heaven's sound. He's going to give you heaven's words. And on that blank piece of paper, he's going to fill it with the creativity of heaven. So don't, don't, cop, don't Google how to. Don't look at other writers. Don't think back to what you used to do. He's actually going to give you something that's new and fresh that a very specific target really, really needs. It's a target market. And I want you to have a picture of whoever that is on your desk as you're writing. And I want you to write it to that one. But I want you to know that that one will echo into eternity. Okay, you're welcome. Yay, yay, yay. Okay, so please don't let me go home with full luggage of merchandise because my director of operations husband will kill me. So we also have a merch table out back um, that we do have some extra merch and books and journals and workbooks. Um, and Bridgeway has been so incredible in that they are actually going to be launching a small group study guide. So if you are interested in getting involved or doing that, you can come get these at the, out at the table and join us in this journey of dreaming because we do believe that it is a year to dream. It is the year to dream. So today, if you are taking notes, we are going to title it Free to Dream. Free to Dream. And the reason that we are going to tackle freedom today um, is because when we, I'll just say John Fitch. Where's John Fitch? This is the last time I'm going to give him credit for this quote, okay? John Fitch said something to me as we've been working together on this conference, and he said, you know, that the level of your dreaming is dependent upon the level of your freedom. I know. I was like, okay, I'm now officially stealing that quote. The level of your dreaming is equivalent to the level of your freedom. 
So for a lot of us, we have uh, already a lot of preconceived notions around what it means to dream. A lot of us have had disappointments in the dreaming process. We've questioned God. Some of us even put our dreams on the shelf because you know we're moms or we're adults or too practical or logical or all of the things. And heaven is here today to remind you that actually it is your job to dream. But why we're gonna tackle freedom is that it really is dependent, your dreams are dependent on the level of freedom. And really the reason that this message is so important is that number one, God's name is glorified when we dream. And I think we forget that. His name is actually glorified. It says you, in the book of Matthew, it says you are the salt of the earth. You. Say me. I. It says you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. Are you guys following me on the slides? I wanna make sure that they're gonna see some of these visuals. That would be super helpful. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So part of this is that actually when we step up and we say yes and we dream with God and we do what he is doing and we speak what he is speaking, we actually glorify his name. It says it there, it says that they may see whose good deeds? Yours. And then glorify who? So by dreaming, you are actually glorifying the name of God. The second reason that this is so important is that the whole world is waiting. We, I think we actually undermine our role as the children of God. Don't hear me wrong. I am not suggesting that we are above him. We are not even close. However, I think we're undermining the role that we get to play. It says in the book of Romans, for the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. Our small-mindedness doesn't serve anyone. And today we're actually gonna start to break the back of scarcity and small-mindedness so we could actually serve the world the way that God intended. He's coming to a ready church. Some of us have been praying, God, come back and save us. He's like, oh. So you play a role. He's coming for a ready church. And so he has called us to actually dream with him because the whole world is waiting for the dream he's put on the inside of you to manifest to the world around us. What does the world manifest mean? It means to display, to show, to demonstrate. The third reason that this is so important is that it's actually, it was one of the core jobs of Jesus here on earth. It says, I have come, John 10, 10, you guys know it, say it with me. I have come that you may have life abundantly. Who said that? What does abundantly mean? Fullest, all the things. It's <laughs> my favorite thing to say, all the things. I have come that you might have life and have some good things. All things. But yet what we've done is we've actually accommodated that just to fit the narrative around us. And what he's calling us to do is to actually raise our conviction to fit his truth. Not what we see around us, what he's put within us. And he's put the Holy Spirit within us to do even greater works than even Jesus did. The fourth thing is that it, it was literally <laughs> what, how Jesus taught the disciples to pray. Remember when they went in, they were like, okay, can you just set the record straight and teach us how to pray? He says, sure, yep, I'll do that. Our beloved Father, Matthew 6, 9, 
dwelling in the heavenly realms. May the glory of your name be the center point on which our lives turn. First of all, that's incredible. May the glory of your name be the center point on which we turn. That already tells me if I'm a ballerina and the, you know, have you ever seen them do the pirouettes? Have you even tried to do that? <laughs> Why would we try? Right? What do they have? They have their eyes fixed on one thing. If we, if we envision this, it's may the glory of your name be the center on which my life turns, which already tells us where I should be looking, not on the world around me. I need to be looking right at him and his glory. It's my center point. Right? But then he goes on to say, manifest your kingdom realm and cause every purpose to be fulfilled on earth just as it is in heaven. He actually calls us to partner with, with God in our prayer. Remember, that's where we fight our battles. But when we're fighting these battles, what our job is to do is to actually pull heaven to this earth. And then he's really clear. A fifth reason why this, this conversation, this message is so important is that it's actually Jesus' greatest commission to us. He says, go. Repeat after me, go. Turn to your neighbor and say, go. Turn to your other neighbor and say, you have no idea what you just got yourself into today. <laughs> go, therefore go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. He says, go. We can't not do this, church. My son Malachi, who's here today, we got to go to a concert. Steve Furtick was traveling around with the, the Elevation Worship, which was so amazing. And this was the one date night he wanted to do. I was like, I'll take it. I'll take date night tonight. I'll do that one. So we live in Bend, Oregon, and we traveled all the way over to Eugene to see him. So he's been listening to Steve as he falls asleep at night, which is amazing. If your kids want to fall asleep to someone just outside of this man right here, Pastor Peter, <laughs> Steve Furtick, right? So he comes out one morning and he says... Um, so Steve's son happened to ask him on a sermon the other day, why is it that like Red Seas aren't being parted and blind people aren't seeing and dead men you know, aren't rising anymore? And I was like, this is breakfast, by the way. This is that time in the morning as a mom that you're like trying to just drink your coffee as fast as you can. And I was like, well, what did Steve say? I'm looking at my husband and I'm like, you ready? You ready to answer that question? And he says, I don't know, the, the video cut off. And I was like, okay. So I said, what any mom says, what do you think, Malachi? <laughs> mom and dad, write that down. What do you think? He says, I don't know. And I go, okay, well, have you prayed for someone that's blind to be seen? He says, no. I'll ask you the same question. When was the last time that you prayed for someone who was blind to be seen? Dead to be raised. Come on. I was so convicted drinking my coffee, I just had to not have the conversation anymore. So convicted. And this weekend, we actually had, I wrote this book. My best friend was killed in a car accident over 20 years ago on a missions trip, and her mom got to be with us at this conference this weekend. This is a woman who lost her daughter on her 17th missions trip. She and her husband went down to Mexico and prayed for resurrection life over their daughter. And they prayed like they believed it. They stormed the gates on behalf of Mallory. And they say, we pray for resurrection life. Standard. That was their standard. She, she releases yesterday. In my head, I was like, where's she going with this? Where's she going with this? Because Mallory didn't raise to life. So I'm sitting on the front row and I was like, this is not a good segue for me. <laughs> 
you know, like we're human. Can we be real today too? I was like, Cindy Smith, this is not a good segue for me. She doesn't raise to life. <laughs> and Cindy, without missing a beat, says we prayed for resurrection life and we have watched resurrection life. We have watched people from the minute that Mallory died from t- to this day, we have watched the body of Christ rise again. Gives me goosebumps saying this. And so what she exemplifies even in this moment is that they had a high standard and no expectation. So yes, there are some times that in this process with God that there are questions that we won't understand on this side of eternity. Bill Johnson says all the time that if I can't understand the mysteries of heaven, I can't understand the beautiful revelation of heaven either. And so believe me from the deepest part of my heart, there are some questions we don't get the answer for, but that's why there is a God and we are not him. But when we have a standard that says, I will pray like I mean it, I will go after what heaven is doing, I will have a high standard, and then I'm actually gonna let go of my expectations so God can do what God wants to do in his will, in his way, in his time. And though we didn't see Mallory's resurrection life, we have seen the church come alive again because of her message. So I would like to propose to you today with what Pastor, Pastor John said. Our level of dreaming is dependent on our level of freedom. So we're going to go after freedom today. Because I'd like to propose that our dreams are an offshoot of a real relationship with God. Actually sitting with God, abiding with him. The offshoot of a real relationship with him. And freedom with him is going to be dreaming. John 8, 36 says, So if the sun sets you free, you will be free indeed. So I think sometimes we have to recognize, okay, so what, what is it that if, if, if he came to give us life and life more abundantly and it says that he has set us free, I think it's a good to remember what are we free from? What are we free from? What we're free from is two things. We're free from the bondage of sin. So when we became believers, we actually took our old nature and we adopted new nature. We are now children of God. We now have his nature. We now walk in his nature. Everybody say, I walk in his nature. I walk in his nature. You are actually filled with the Holy Spirit to walk in his nature, which means you have been set free. 2 Corinthians 3.17 says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, that means there's freedom on the inside of you. He also says that we are free from the penalty of sin for eternity, which means in Romans 6.23, it says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. So we are free. But before I continue, is there anyone who does not know Jesus today in this room? I'm gonna ask a bold question. And if you're online, I want you to acknowledge this too. Because as we go through this process today, we are actually gonna go after freedom. But if you do not, if you're not first set free, it's really hard to walk up the rest of your freedom. So is there anyone in the room today who you do not know Jesus and you have not been set free? Anyone, this is your chance. Praise God. Okay, good. So then are you, here's the first thing. How many of you know it's one thing to get set free and it's another to stay free? <sighs> Preach. I got, a, I, got a, I got a yes in the background. Yes, all of us know that we have been set free. So that's a baseline. So the good news is today, you are already free. You did that when you committed your life to God and you pointed your life at the cross and you said for you, from you, with you, by you, you. You're free. Everyone write that at the top of the notes. I am free. 
Now, some of us immediately are gonna go, yeah, but you, you don't understand my circumstances. You don't understand the economy. You don't understand my bank account. You don't understand the person I'm sitting next to. You don't understand something, right? I'm not as free as you think I am. Well, part of, though, again, what Jesus would say to us over and over and over again is I didn't ask you. Right? Your freedom isn't based around what's going on around you. Remember, you are already free. You wrote that down on your notes. I am free. So actually, I'm not living from this world to that world. I'm living from this world to this world. I live from victory. So believe me, I know that sometimes circumstances feel hard and big and overwhelming, but you don't live from that vantage point. That's what we are actually been freed from. So we are, we are freed from, um, excuse me, we are freed from sin and freed from the penalty of sin. Here's what we're freed for, to live life to its fullest. I am now to live from heaven for freedom. That's your new job. That's your new job. You now have the capacity to actually live from victory, to live from heaven, to live from God's vantage point. But what happens a lot of times is we've trained ourselves to just make decisions and to, to do what we see around us as opposed to actually realize that I've been given a fresh set of eyes. And now I get to live from freedom for freedom. That's our aim in life. When we look at John 10, 10, and it does say in his word, I've come that you may have life and have it to the full. The other translation says, my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. I'd like to propose to you today that if you don't feel like life feels rich and satisfying, it's because you're not living from and for freedom. And it might be just because you forgot. And so today we are gonna remind you that you actually get to live from heaven. So you get to live a rich and satisfying life. Yeah, that is worth a yes. So this is where we're gonna dive into today. Because to my point of it's one thing to get free and to give our lives to Jesus and it's another to stay free. And anybody who's ever struggled with an addiction knows how true this really is. I think all of us do, right? Because the world throws a lot at us and the enemy throws a lot at us. And if you were here this week and you recognize that a lot of times, even those voices in our head and that chatter, the one that says you don't hear God's voice and you're never gonna be enough and you won't amount to anything and you're not important and all these things are up against the truth. But if you remember, God always gives us truth and then the enemy will come in and try to manipulate it. True or true? So today, we no longer will fall prey to the manipulation. His truth is what it is, what it is, what it is. He says, I'm the beginning from the end, period. This is actually when we dove in yesterday and we listened more to Cindy Smith's story after she lost her daughter. She said, at some level, I just had to decide that God was good, period. No comma, no dot, 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 no semicolon, no colon, no X, nothing, period. God is good, period. I am free, period. And so what we're gonna do today is we're actually gonna start breaking the back of anything that is trying to keep you from walking out your freedom. And the way that we're gonna do that is we're actually gonna study biblical history to understand some of these root patterns so we don't wander in the wilderness, if you get my drift. Turn to your neighbor and say, would you stop? Say, would you stop? Would you stop wandering in the wilderness? Yeah. So we're going to go to the book of Exodus. 
you have your Bibles, Exodus. People are like, Exodus? Do you remember that when you were little? That was like your Bible teacher was like, go ahead and turn to Leviticus. You're like, oh man. Can we do like Philippians or Romans or Hebrews or nope, go to Exodus. We, the, the God is so amazing that in his word, he just gives us, <laughs> he, there's so much truth that we just complicate. We just complicate everything. It's simple. The word of God is so simple. Stupid heart. You can hashtag that, Sambolus. Simple, stupid heart. It's simple, stupid heart, okay? So what, where we're gonna start with this story is we're gonna start where God meets Moses and starts to give him instruction. Exodus 3. The Lord says, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. This already tells you how good God is. He's like, I have prepared something that is abundant. It's flowing with milk and honey. So now go, everyone say go. Go, go, one more time, go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out to, of Egypt? Can we pause right there? Who's ever said that to God? Do you know that moment that he's like, write the book and you're like, who am I? I don't know, I've never done that, not one time in my life, but if I did. How many of you automatically, when God asks you to do something, it's like we forget that he knows all things? <laughs> do you know who you're talking to? If I was God, I'd be like, are you talking to me? <laughs> God, do you know my past? Do you know the problems that I've had? Do you know the mistakes that I've made? Do you know the failures? Do you know where I come from? Do you know who my dad is? Do you know who my mom is? Do you know? And he's like, are you, are you talking to me? Like, can you imagine being God? <laughs> Moses says, God, God, do you know who I am? Verse 12, I love, I love what God says. He says, and God says, I will be with you. He doesn't, he's not even gonna play the game of like trying to go, I love you, Moses, and you're the best. And he's not even gonna affirm his ego. He's not even gonna sit there and tell him all the wonderful things and pull out strength finders and Enneagram and disc and all those things and go, look at you are just this challenger and you are beautiful in my sight. What does he say? I will be with you you. Last I checked, that's all we need. Now, don't get me wrong. I think the tools are incredible. I think strategy is amazing. <laughs> my, my, assistant, my director of operations and I say all the time, do better, faster, go, go, go. And we're like pulling out tools and we all we can long, we, were we got this tool and we got this tool. We got, we, I love them. I love the formula. I love strategy. I love technique. I love do better, faster. But sometimes we become so focused on the thing that we have forgotten the gift. And the gift is that God simply says, I will be with you. That's enough. That's enough. And then he goes on to say, and this will be a sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. And Moses says to God, suppose, I love that, Suppose I'm going to do what you're asking me to do. <laughs> it 
Is this like us in our quiet time with God? We're like, okay, let's, let's, let's say in theory I do what you're asking me to do. Let's say in theory I do this. Can, will you give me my water, buddy? He says, suppose I go to the Israelites, thank you, and I say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? You're like, details, Moses. For real? That's your question? God says to Moses, I am who I am. I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. So this is where we're gonna lean in. We're actually gonna start to lean into chapter 12. But that paints the picture of the conversation that God has with Moses to do the impossible. To go where he's never gone, to do what he's never done. This is an invitation for him to dream what heaven's dreaming, to do what heaven's doing, and to partner with eternity. It's on its grandest mission to bring Jesus back to earth so that we can prepare the way for God's final return. This is what it looks like to dream. So we're going to start in the book, chapter 12, Exodus chapter 12, and this is towards the end of the plagues. Here's what we have to understand as we go into this, and some of this detail is just so fascinating to me. Did you know that the Israelites had actually been in bondage for almost 430 years? We're not talking about a generation in bondage, not even your grandparents' grandparents. We're talking about 430 years of slavery. Talk about a mindset. This weekend, we went after mindset because we believe that you can, as believers, do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Right? This is an incredible piece to even Jesus' ministry. He's constantly teaching people how to think. Why? Because the power of our thought means everything. It means everything. It even patterns our heart. It says from the, from the uh, overflow of the heart. The mouth speaks, right? But the, actually the patterning of the brain will start to speak to the heart and then the, from the overflow of the heart and then they start to interchangeably be one and the same. So this pattern is 430 years of slavery. The other thing that I think is worth knowing is that the plagues lasted somewhere in the ballpark of four to five months. Now, historians would say they can't totally confirm it, but when you connect a few dots and you try to look at everything, it's about four to five months. Does anybody remember COVID after month like, I don't know, three days? Do you remember when you went to go order something on Amazon and you're like, this is going to take 17 hours? Why? I used to get it yesterday. Do you remember that? Or is that just me? I literally remember I was like, four days to get something from Amazon? You guys, they were in the plagues. We're talking about water turning to blood, frogs, lice, all these things. We're talking like four, five months of just havoc. So it's, it's a decent amount of time as when Moses actually gets to, you know, take the Israelites with him and Pharaoh's finally like, no more. Okay, here's what's interesting though. Did you know that, that the, the plagues were actually to confront the false gods? Oh man, we're gonna talk about this today. So if you want to leave, don't. We're locking the doors. It actually, the, these plagues confronted the idols. The place that people were putting their dependency that they were never designed to put it. I know we're going to do this today. (laughs) God wasn't doing this to punish people. He was doing this to set the record straight that there will be no other gods. 
You will serve no one else other than me. You won't serve anxiety. You won't serve fear. You won't serve your past. You won't serve today. You won't serve the government. You will serve me. And so I have to send these plagues to restore the dependency in me. This is why he does this. He's that good. He's that good. And I know that there's days, believe me, I have days that you go, God, are you good? I'll never forget the day that my best friend died. And anyone who's lost anyone, there's a moment that you go, I don't know that I'll ever get up again. And you wonder, God, are you good? And he is that good. And sometimes he has to blow our mind to get after our heart. Because that's what he's after. So even though, again, the Israelites are ultimately going to be after the dream, their freedom, all the things, but he was after their heart. And it was also a heart that had been in slavery and bondage for almost 430 years as a people. And so this was a big undertaking. But God has a purpose even in the midst of the plagues. It says the overall plagues were signs and marvels given to the God of Israel to answer Pharaoh's taunt that he does not know God. But he says, the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. So then here's when Moses goes back, go back, if we rewrite it, he goes, who am I to do this? The other interesting thing is that he led 600,000 people out of captivity. This wasn't six. <laughs> 600,000 people. I live in Bend, Oregon. There's about 100,000 people. And that town, even though it's a really small town, you generally don't see the same people in the course of like a year, just even in passing. I mean, this is a lot of people. So he's leading a ton of people. So yeah, I get that. Some of us are gonna feel like the weight of this is a lot and it's bigger than you. It's supposed to be. It's supposed to be. And I think part of this whole the process is so that we start to put our dependency on God and we just surrender to his plan. It's supposed to be bigger than you. It's supposed to be. So where we're gonna jump in is in Exodus 12, verse 31. This is finally when Pharaoh's like, okay, no more. Then Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron at night. He said, get up and go away from my people, both you and the people of Israel. Go and worship the Lord as you have said. Take your flocks and your cattle as you have said and go, 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 go. And pray that God will come to me also. <laughs> He's like, oh, by the way, will you first pray for me too? The Egyptians were trying to make the people hurry out of the land for they said, we will all be dead. So they're like, go, go, leave, go, go. At the end of 430 years on that same day, all of the Lord's people left Egypt and it was a night to be remembered. For the Lord had brought them out of the land of Egypt. This is very similar to that moment that we finally go, God, I will serve you only. Here's step one in the process of freedom is you have to let go. You have to let go. You have to let go of patterns. You have to let go of traditions. They let go of 430 year traditions. Worshiping false idols, working the way that they worked, right? And for a lot of these people, doing what they were doing served them until it didn't. So today I'm here to suggest that you are going to need to let go of something. And for some of you, that's something that's been plaguing you for a long time. And God has been asking you and asking you and asking you to let it go. And I know this sounds crazy, but for some of you, it's fear, it's anxiety, it's money, it's alcohol, it's an addiction. It might even be a habit that got you to where you are, but isn't necessarily going to take you to where you've never been. This is like if we were to lose weight, right? And the first idea, you know, we laugh all the time. And this is so funny. I actually asked a girlfriend of mine, I was like, you've lost 30 pounds. How did you do it? She goes, I uh, walked more and ate less. Not hard. Simple, stupid, hard. Simple, stupid, hard. Walk, she's like, I walk more, ate less. 
But then she wanted to lose another 10 pounds and that wasn't working anymore. We hit a plateau in our life. Does it not work to walk more and eat less? No, it actually works. Works really well until it doesn't. And now I might have to do some interval training to get that next five pounds off. Do you see where I'm going? There's some of us that, yeah, there are some addictions and things that are just not in alignment with you being a child of God and we have to let those go. I'm here to tell you today, I am a byproduct of doing that. I don't have time to tell my story with addiction, but my husband and I 17 months ago decided to stop drinking. This isn't because we were crazy alcohol, we were great drinkers, but for us, we knew that it wasn't gonna take us where we'd never been and if we wanted to live free, we knew it could not go with us any longer. So today, we will break addiction. If you are sitting here today and you are a child of God and you are ready to break addiction, we will do that. For some of us, others are going, there's other little things that aren't bad. They just can't go with us anymore. And we're going to need to let go. We have to let go. Because it got you here today, but it's not going to take you to where you've never been. So as they continue on, it's Exodus 13, verse 3. It says, then Moses said to the people, remember this day in which you went out of Egypt, out of the land where you were made to stay and work. For the Lord brought you out of this place by a wonderful hand. This day you are about to go out and the Lord will bring you to the land of the Canaanite, the Hittite, the Amorite, the Hivite, and the Jebusite, which he promised to your fathers to give you. It is the land flowing with milk and honey. You will say to your son on that day, it is because of what the Lord did for me when I came out of Egypt. It will be a special mark on your hand and on your forehead to make people remember that the law of the Lord is to be in your mouth. For the Lord brought you out of Egypt with a powerful hand. During their journey, the Israelites actually received a covenant, an agreement with God. It was his promise. He promised that I will take you where I say I will take you. This is number two. You need to cling to the promise he has given you. You need to remember You need to remember the day like your life and like your dreams depend on it because they do. You actually need to cling to the revelation that God has given you. You need to cling to the dream, that prophecy. Who's received a prophecy that has not seen it manifested? You have, I want you right now to write that at the top of your notes. Part of our journey is, yes, receiving the prophecy, but then it is working it out with fear and trembling. Know that God is preparing you along the way so when you get to the blessing, you can hold the weight. But we have to work towards the prophecy, right? It's almost like Peter. Jesus calls Peter to get out of the boat. He gets out of the boat, but then he's got to walk on water. He's got to actually get out of the boat. That's on Peter. You have to work out that prophecy as though it means something, even when you don't see it. Do you remember they left, the Israelites left, but did they immediately step into the promised land? Like, like they, were they in bondage and then they're like, oh, milk and honey. That would be so great. I will ask God about that though. I will. That would be amazing. The day that you get the prophecy and then the day that you like step out of those doors, it happens, would be great. But it would be cheap. Remember, God's after character. He's after heart. He's after longevity. He's after eternity. He's after eternity. So what we have to do is the faithfulness. We have to remember where we've come from too, and not in a bad way, but remember what God did. Some of us remember our past. We remember the mistake. We remember the disappointment. He doesn't want, he says, remember the night that I called you free. 
Remember that night and then cling to, go to where I'm telling you to go and cling to it as though your life depends on it because it does. It does because the great hallway in between, liminal space, we talked about this this weekend, it's a lot. It's a lot and it is hard and it is challenging and it is a lot. So you're going to need to cling to it. And you're going to have to start the practice of no longer looking around you. You're just going to have to look at what God told you. It says as we continue, when uh, 14 verse 5, when the king of Egypt was told that the people had left, Pharaoh and his servants changed their minds. <laughs> Can you imagine being them on that day? <laughs> Oops, that was not really a good plan. They said, what is it that we have done? We have let Israel go from working for us. <laughs> oh man. When Pharaoh came near, the people of Israel looked and saw the Egyptians coming after them. The people of Israel looked back. And they saw the Egyptians coming after them and they were filled with fear and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, is it because there were no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the desert? What have you done to us in bringing us out of Egypt? Did we not tell you in Egypt, leave us alone and let us serve the Egyptians? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die here. It, we keep looking back at it. And we look back and instead of remembering freedom, we're looking back at all the things. To the point that this actually starts to, to, to share a little bit about that liminal space is that what happens is if I don't fully cling to the revelation that God has given me and fully embody it and partner with what heaven is doing and partner with what the prophecy is and partner with what the dream is, then I'm gonna go back to a familiar hell. I'm actually gonna crave familiarity, survival. Scarcity, stability. I'd rather work there than die here. That's like saying I'd rather work as a slave than die as a free man. Why? Because I'd like to propose that they actually didn't have hold of the revelation. When we have hold of a revelation, we know that actually this life isn't just about this life. We actually get to live forever and ever and ever and ever. So to die as a free man is like the best thing in the world. When I live that way, I've actually clung to what Jesus died for. So they look back just like all of us. Well, I'm just walking through this to not shame you and condemn you. This is a me too. I'm just gonna reset our hearts and our minds to understand that when this happens, we're almost just gonna kind of go back to step one, step two, step three, step four. If you're sitting here today and you're like, this is a lot. I actually voice memo Pastor Peter. I was like, I think I have a four-day conference in an hour and a half sermon. So we're going to, you have this for recording. And if you want, you can come find my team. We'll actually send you some of these slides too. Because these steps are gonna be important because sometimes you will have to go back and you'll have to do step one and let go again. And then you're gonna cling again, right? And then you're gonna actually walk yourself through these steps over and over and over again. And so when your tendency is to look back, to look at it, to look at the past and you're not remembering that freedom moment, you're gonna say, I love what Moses says. He says, but then in um, verse 13, but Moses said to the people, do not be afraid, be strong and see how the Lord will save you today. For the Egyptians you have seen today, you will never see again. 
The Lord will fight for you. All you have to do is keep still. Who's my like hyperactive achievers? <laughs> this is like an epidemic. It's called busy. It's called artificial significance. That's what Bill Johnson says. <laughs> Oops. Isn't that a good one? It's artificial significance. Another one is I wish I could steal, but like they, they, the trademark services of Bill Johnson will come find me. Can't steal that one, it was his. He says, all you have to do is keep still. Why do I want to be still? Someone give me the verse. When this whole thing started, what was his whole point? What was God's whole point? I am. I want them to know that I am. So P.S., sometimes just be still and know that I am God. Then the Lord says to Moses, why do you cry to me? Tell the people of Israel now, keep going. After you're still, remember that I am. Cling to me again and then keep going. The word says, so the Lord saved Israel that day from the Egyptians and, the, the, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead beside the sea. Israel saw the great power which the Lord had used against the Egyptians and the people had the fear of the Lord again. They believed in the Lord and in his servant Moses. If we would continue on verse after verse, do you, this is what's so interesting about this story and me and us. We believe, then we don't believe. And we believe, then we don't believe. And we believe, then we don't believe. Like, these people saw the Red Sea part. <laughs> like, if we really walk this out, these people saw the Red Sea part and it swallowed Pharaoh's men and they believed, then there's no water. And what did they say? What shall we drink? Water. You guys, you're almost at some level, you, someone's got to be like, hey, he actually poured water onto people and killed them. I'm pretty sure he's going to provide it somehow. But that's kind of what we do. Like we literally forget the goodness of God. And I'd like to propose this because again, what the Israelites are showing us is that they continue to ask the things around them to give them something that it wasn't designed to give them. They're asking the world around them to give them certainty and, and provision. And, and yes, again, believe me, there's baselines that that makes so much sense until it doesn't because that thing is the idol. I've actually started putting my idol in all of this. So then we see, you know, they come, they believe and then there's no water and they're like, what shall we drink? And then there's no food. I said, we should have died by the Lord's hand. When we saw the pots of meat and ate all the bread we wanted for you have brought us into this desert to kill us all with hunger. Gosh. <laughs> then they're asking questions like, is the Lord among us or not? Does God hear me or not? Let me be very honest with you. The Lord is never not speaking. It's are we actually hearing him? He's never not moving. He's never not speaking. He's never not dreaming. The dreams that you have, those are his. He wants them more than, he, than you do. He wants them more than you do. And so part of this, again, is going to be this process of, remember, when I actually take on his freedom and I take on this new nature and he's got the Holy Spirit working on the inside of me, he removes the veil. But sometimes that veil is going to try to creep back over our eyes again. And so it's going to be our job to remove the veil again. Jesus says, I have given you life and death, but choose life. But he shouldn't have to, but he's like, choose the life. Take the veil off your eyes again. 
So I love today that we said, if you are not hearing the voice of God or Satan's lying to you that you don't hear him or see him or feel him or know him, you're gonna just start pushing back and saying, no, that is not true. That is not true. We know the rest of the story. God continues to be so faithful in the midst of their disbelief and in the midst of their doubt. But here's what we're gonna have to realize that sometimes these moments, step three, is that we're going to have to burn. You're gonna have to feel the burn in those moments when the pressure is on and the resources seem to be gone and it seems like God isn't answering your prayer and it seems like the fulfillment of what he promised isn't happening and it feels like you're taking 17 steps to go forward. No, 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 not at all. When it seems like you're too old, you're too young, too this, too that, all of the things, when the economy, when, when things surprise us, it's really easy to start looking at those things. But sometimes we just have to sit with God and we've got to let it burn. That in the burning, there is a refining that is happening. There's a refining of heart set. There's a refining of mindset. God is also that good because there's been patterns that have been developed that once we've let go and cling, we gotta have to sometimes let it burn so he can restore something new within us. Today, the prayer team over Christy Joy in this message, they said something new. There is a new rhythm of heaven. There is a new rhythm. There is a new sound. There is a new song that is coming. And so it's not actually gonna make a lot of sense sometimes to us. And so those moments is where we're gonna sit and we're gonna feel the weight of God and we have to let it burn. And in those moments of burn, I'm gonna call these your freedom moments when you do doubt that prophecy. Maybe you even do doubt God. He can handle it. May we never forget that he can actually handle it. But what if we took those moments and instead of saying, God, why is this happening? What if we said, God, what are you doing? Bring him your pain, bring him your hurt, bring him your fears, bring him your mistakes, bring him your failures, bring him all of it as an offering to him. The enemy today, someone in here is trying to shame you with all of those things. And all God has asked, just bring me all of it so we can shine the light of heaven on it. Break before me so I can heal you so that you can give these, all of these things to me as an offering so I can restore you and do what I'm asking to restore you into. And let those moments actually be a point of strengthening. Let it burn with him. Galatians 5.1 says, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. That, what that implies is that there's these moments along the way that are going to try to curb your belief with doubt. There's another quote that he sent me, that doubt kills more dreams than failure ever will. What does that mean? It means I actually won't even get started because I got, the enemy uses doubt. Oh, do I believe? Do I not believe? Do I believe? Do I not believe? What does it say about a man who doubts? Right? They're tossed to and fro. Now, there's a difference between doubt and fear. <laughs> what does fear mean? I'm afraid. I'm already afraid. Done. False evidence appearing real. It's real. When I fear something, I'm already decided. Like me. My greatest fear? Sharks. I know. I'm in a pool and I hear the Jaws music. <laughs> 
You know, and then you watch these movies of people that are just like swimming in the ocean with the sharks and all that. I might pass out of complete and total fear. And there is nothing you could do. My son and I were actually even studying some different things in history. And, and he says to me, we're reading a quote the other day, and it says, more people die by bee stings than sharks. And he was like, see, mom? So you see people die from, more from, from actually being stung by a bee than, than sharks. I was like, uh-uh, I don't buy that at all. Don't buy it at all. Why? I'm afraid. I am already decided in my belief that a shark will find me in the pool. <laughs> you guys. So if you're ever swimming with me and I jump in the deep end of the pool and I come up screaming, it's because I saw a shark. <laughs> so I'm decided. If I'm, in a, if I'm in fear, I've already decided. Doubt is so interesting. And I'd like to propose to you today that it doesn't have to be all that bad because there's actually what the devil intended to get me with some doubt while I'm going back and forth, back and forth, and he's trying to get me into my fear zone, that it's actually God saying, what do you believe? What do you believe? And that actually the pressure back and forth is building some tension, and the pressure is actually a privilege because it's actually building strength and resolve that though I'm doing this some days, and instead of leaning this way into my fear, I'm actually gonna stand boldly in my faith and declare, I believe that you are who you say you are, period. Those are freedom moments. Pharaoh and his men are coming. I look this way. I look over this way to the land of honey and I go, okay, not why God are they coming for me? What do you think I'm gonna find if I ask that question? Every reason they are. Why God are you not good? What do you think I'm gonna find? Every reason why he's not. Tony Robbins says the quality of your questions determines the quality of your answers. Be careful the question you're asking. Why, God, do bad things happen to good people? Stop asking that question. The new question in these moments, we're calling them freedom moments, it's this moment of doubt that the enemy wants to use against you. And you're gonna go back and forth and you're not gonna go, why, God, is this happening? You're gonna go, what, God, are you doing? What, God, are you doing? But Julia, I feel fear in the room. I see anxiety. I see cancer. I see anxiety. I see death. But God, what are you doing in the room? There's some of us today who are actually wrestling with anxiety, but it is not anxiety. You actually see the demonic forces and you see heaven's angels. And you need to stop where the enemy is trying to tell you that there's chatter and anxiety in the head. And you need to now declare that you are a weapon here to bring havoc to what the enemy is trying to do. And you need to push back those lines. You need to push back the lines, but that moment is okay because it's building. The pressure is building back and forth, but we're not gonna ask why. We're gonna ask, what are you doing, God? And how can I partner with what you're doing? What are you doing and what can I do, God? Then we, not, we don't need to see the trials and the tri temptations and the tribulation as a, something that's wrong. Even in James 1, verse 2, it says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds which already implies, again, this is part of the process, partly because we live in a fallen world and so it just is what it is. Partly because God also knows that everything works together for his good, so even in these moments that you're waffling back and forth and back and forth and back and forth and he's going, what, what do you believe? You start saying, God, what do you do? It says, because you know that the testing of your faith is going to produce perseverance. And we know that we walk this out, per perseverance finishes its work so that you may mature and complete, not lacking anything. So the next time that you're tested, maybe say, thank you, God, because there's a place, place within me that needs to mature in my understanding of who you are. Right? I'd like to say it says that, that 
you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. I'd like to propose that then the resources will come because the maturity has been established and he wants to make sure that you can handle what he's gonna give you. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault. This is it, these freedom moments, you're going to have when it's, it's part of the journey and I want you to now not ask why God, ask what God and burn. Let it burn. Let it build strength. Let it build resolve. If we continue on, Exodus 20, verse one, it says, then God spoke all of these words saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house where you were servants. This is when he starts to deliver his 10 commandments. And do you recognize that as he starts to give Moses these commandments to give to his people, it has everything to do with their dependency on anything but him. So if we look at what the 10 commandments are, he's actually saying, have no gods other than me. Do not make for yourselves a God to look like anything that is in heaven above or on earth below or in the waters under the earth. Do not worship them or work for them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. Do not use the name of the Lord your God in a false way. Remember the day of rest to keep it holy. He's basically implying don't let work be your God. Honor your father and mother so your life may be long in the land the Lord has given you. Do not kill other people. That's a significance play. It's to feel power, control. Now, part of this is we're never gonna accommodate, but what happens is when I want to seek to hurt another person, it's because I'm looking to control a scenario. Do not do sex sins. Do not steal. Do not tell a lie about your neighbor. Do not have a desire for your neighbor's house. Why? Because God knows that whatever you worship Whatever you depend on, wherever you place your need becomes the thing that you will focus on. Whatever I focus on becomes my God. This is step four. Depend only on him as your source. Here's what I think. I think we have a dependency problem as a country. I think we are asking the world to give us something it was never designed to give. We're asking the world to give us hope. We're asking the bottle to give us relaxation. We're asking work to give us significance. We're asking the thing to make us feel more important. We're asking our friends to give us value. And it's so subtle. It's so subtle because if we think about some of these components, right, even if you think about your kids and your spouse and the clothes that you wear and the house that you have and some of even the, the, the dreams that we have, right, some of us who run businesses and the beautiful impact that it's making and all of these things are good until they're not, until it's actually become my source. This is why they say all the time, you know, money's not bad, it's just the love of money. Why? Because money is a resource, it's not the source. 
And so I think the beautiful thing of these 10 commandments is that God is basically kind of setting the stage again. Remember, this whole thing is because I want to know I am who I am. I will be with you. And so then he kind of sets the record straight through this journey of the wilderness is that, hey, let's just make sure that you are depending only on me. It says, chase only after heaven's realities and then all these less important things will be added unto you. So the beautiful thing about God is that he, he knows that we need other things to survive as mankind. He just doesn't want it to have us. He wants us to have abundance. He wants you to have money. He wants you to have health. He wants you to have deep connections. He wants you to build that business. He wants you to write that book. He wants you to do those things. He just doesn't want it to have you. He wants to shift the motivation. He wants the hunger to be for him. And so what's happened is we start to go after the things of this world. And the problem with some of these dependencies that we have is that they work for a while. Like the instant gratification culture that we live in, it works for a while. For a while. But that's why we continue to, it feels like we keep coming up short, right? It's even like we go, oh, if I could just have more money, then we have more money. And then what do we feel? Kind of still unfulfilled. Right, that's why some of you are in a room full of 100 plus people and yet you feel lonely. That's why you're getting all these likes on Instagram and social media and you're still crawling into bed with tears running down your face because you don't feel seen and known. Why? Because I'd like to propose that you're not wrong. There is no shame and condemnation in this. Our eyes have just started to look and to ask the world around us to give us something that only he can provide. I learned this hard when I gave up alcohol. For my story, again, I've shared this, but it's worth sharing again in this moment. The alcohol for me, after the, the simple answer of, it just helps me kind of unwind at the end of the night, or it helps me kind of disconnect, or it you know, helps me have more fun, or be more courageous, or all the things. After I got past that point, I had to realize that actually, I was having a drink or two, because there was a place of insecurity within me, and so it became my hiding place. Like I could be here, but I wasn't totally here. Right? I could physically be with you, but I wasn't going to give you access to my heart. Why? Because there was a piece within me that was still so insecure in who I was. And so I remember when I landed on that, of like, ooh, I think that's something to be said there, that I, maybe I'm actually using alcohol as a place to hide. This is the first place we have to start. As I would ask the thing that you maybe would call an idol in your life today, I want you to write down, what are you asking it to give you? Because this is where true freedom is going to be found. Shine the light of heaven on it. Let, it. let heaven see this. Because then we can actually start to do the work to be free. Right? So I decided to tell my husband. It was this process of continuing to take this God of like, man, I'm hiding here, God. I'm hiding here. I know that you've called me to shine. I know that you've asked me to move forward. All of these things. And so I'm in my kitchen one day. I literally hear the Holy Spirit. Which I'm more of a knower I don't, I don't hear the voice of God all the time. That's more my mom. And I, we joke all the time because she's like, you know, I heard God speaking the other day. And all of us who came up front were like, what does that, he, what does that sound like? You know what I'm saying? Has anyone ever told you I heard the voice of the Lord? And you're like, uh, can you please tell me what that sounds like? Can you text it to me so I can be familiar when I hear it? Has anyone ever thought that question before? Yeah, okay. I actually don't, I can't give you any more information on what it sounds like, but I could hear the voice of God. And he says to me, what if I could be your hiding place? And I hit my knees. 
and I hit my knees. So my question to you is, what is that thing giving you that you haven't actually taken to God and asked him to give you? Because I'd like to suggest today he wants to give that to you. In fact, he already has. That's why he sent his son. But he will give it to you over and over and over and over and over and over again. And now daily, right, back to this idea of let go and then cling and then burn. I've had my moments along the way where I'm like, oh, beer sounds great right now. Can I get an amen? Anyone ever been there? Just me. It's just me. It's fine. A beer sounds great right now. I'd actually have to start reprogramming my brain to go, oh, we don't, we don't actually do that anymore. Stop it. Stop the thought. I actually don't do that anymore. But interesting, heart, what do you need right now? What are you asking that to give you that you're not asking God to give you? You might need to write that down. It's really simple. But in a moment, it changes everything because I literally would hear, oh, I need a nap. Hmm. I'm actually just really tired. I actually really want connection right now. I want to cry. I mean, the answers were, and then what I was able to do is go to God and actually get filled up. Because if I go to the source, it's only going to fix it for a moment, but it won't actually heal the core issue. But when I take it to the feet of God, come to find out he gives me exactly what I need. So now I can be successful and fulfilled. He wants to fill you to overflowing, but if I don't know what I'm asking him to give me, then I am going to ask someone else or something else to give it to me. It was never designed to do it, so I'm going to come up empty. This is why some of us today are depressed and depleted and tired and burnt out. He is sustainable. When he is your source, this is how you know when you are clinging to him like a life support is that it actually is sustainable. Your work will be sustainable. Your parenting will feel sustainable. It will feel sustainable. Why? Because I'm connected to a source that is abundant and overflowing. It's incredible. And this is coming from a mom of five. People still do that. I know it's so funny. You guys, when I was pregnant with my fifth, I'd walk around and people would go, oh, is this your first? And I was like, no, it's my fifth. They were like, oh dear, are you for real? Like they were almost like, don't touch me. Like, oh, okay. I mean, it's, we just like, I just wanted people to ask me. Like I should have worn a shirt that says, ask me how many kids I have because it was like a shocker. Coming from a mom of five, believe me, when you supercharge into who God is and now my world around me knows if I come up empty or depleted, they're like, go get with God. Go get with God. I actually now have a team and a husband and a mom and a partnership with people who say, you need to go get with God. Do you have that? Nudge the person next to you. Say, I'm gonna tell you to go get with God next time you look at me like that. Go get with God. Someone say, go get with God. The next time they start to get all fidgety with you or they start to get a little angry or mopey or bossy, <laughs> a little prickly would be a key word. If someone gets a little prickly, I just want you to go, go get with God. You do you with God. Go do you with God. Hashtag that, go do you with God. Okay, so here's this last point on this is that the other part is that we live in a culture that accepts all of the things that we're depending on. Like it's culturally normal to do all of those things. And that's the slippery slope is we live in a world that makes all of these dependencies seem normal, practical, 
Like I literally was sitting with a friend the other day and he goes, you know, I'm, I just, I'm, I've had this anxiety, but I'm just I'm taking some medication and we're just going to kind of deal with it. Oh my gosh. I was like, what did you say? Oh my gosh. You are a child. This came out so fast. You know, those moments that you're like, oh, oopsies, here we go. I was like, you are a child of the most high God. And the last thing, last time I checked, heaven is not coping with anxiety. And he looked at me and I was like, I don't know. I got nothing else. That's all that I, I don't, I actually, I don't know where that's from. I don't know the book of the Bible, but I just know that heaven wants you to know that it is not coping with anxiety. It's not, it's not. Now, does that mean that you might have to do some work? Yes. Does that mean you might have to break in order to heal? Yes. Does that mean you have to open up a can of worms? Yep. Last I checked. But when you know that God is your source, you go do that with him. Go do you with God. Go do you with God and don't let culture be your norm. If we continue on in this journey, Exodus, verse 33, we're still in Exodus. Now we're, but we've, we've gone, for, you see how far we've gone? We're already in chapter 33. The Lord says to Moses, go away from this place, you and the people you have brought out of the land of Egypt. Go to the land that I have promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, I will give it to your children. He says, go. Here's step five, obey. Obedience brings the blessing you're waiting for. I'll say that in a different way. The magic that you're wanting is in the work that you're avoiding. The blessing you're wanting is on the other side of obedience. We say this to our kids all the time. There is a lot that mommy and daddy are gonna ask you to do that we're actually gonna walk out the exact reason that we're asking you to do that in a moment. Because we have some time and there's some capacity and there's some things like, hey, we want you to do this because da, 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 da. There's gonna be moments. But then there's some times that I am just gonna say, do not do that and you have to obey without understanding why. Because either you're dodging a car. If I say, don't go in the street and they're like, why? As they're walking out, you're like, because they're okay. Like there's sometimes that you're just going to have to trust me because I legitimately don't have time to tell you. And you're gonna be dodging cars. God's the same way. There's times that he's gonna sit with you and he's gonna chat with you about all things and he's gonna really help you understand the plan. And then there's gonna be times that he's gonna ask you to do something and you're not gonna know why. But on the other side of your obedience is the blessing. It's what you're looking for. Obedience actually brings blessing. He says to them, go, go to the land that I promised you. In Deuteronomy, it actually starts to talk about when he's, he's talking to the children of Israel. He says in Deuteronomy 5, verse 32, so be careful to do what the Lord your God has commanded you. Do not turn aside to the right or to the left. Walk in obedience to all that the Lord your God has commanded to you. Here's where God is so good, even this. That's a comma. Like he could put a period there too to just go, just do it and trust me. And there are moments, believe me, there are moments you're going to have to do that. When Mark and Cindy Smith 20 years ago decided to believe that God is good the day that their daughter died, little did they know that 20 years later, thousands and thousands and thousands of lives would be affected by this message. I'm one of those champions who will champion that message of freedom. I'm just one of them. But God's so good even here, he gives a comma. Walk in obedience to all that the Lord your God has commanded you. 
so that you may live and prosper and prolong your days in the land that you will possess. He even gives you the blessing there so that you may live and prosper and prolong your days in the land that you will possess. He's called you to take territory. He's called you to take territory. He's asked you to extend heaven's lines on this side of eternity. He's going to bless you after you obey. Deuteronomy 6, 4 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give to you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them to your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your house and on your gates. Obey. And then talk about it over and over and over and over and over again. Why? So we don't forget. So we are conscious to do exactly to let go, to cling, to burn, to, to put our dependencies where they need to go and to obey. And then we rinse and repeat and we rinse and repeat and we rinse and repeat over and over and over again. He tells us to do that. We know that the Israelites didn't. <laughs> They didn't choose to obey. In Exodus 33, verse three, it says, but I will not go with you because you are strong-willed people and I might destroy you on the way. <laughs> you're like, now God, you're talking my language. Like if I was God, this is ultimately probably what I would say. So this is after all of these commandments, all of these commandments and he's going, um, okay, let me actually now tell you, Moses, I'm not going. Can you imagine being Moses? What did, what did God tell Moses? First of all, when we started this thing way back, I'll go with you. Have you ever been in this moment with God? Where all of a sudden you're like, God, are you with me? Can you imagine being Moses? God's like, nope. Nope, I'm not with you. I might destroy these people. <laughs> Moses says to the Lord, See, you say to me, lead these people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you said, I have known you by name. You have found favor in my eyes, Moses. So I pray to you, he says to God, I pray to you. If I have found favor in your eyes, let me know your ways. Then I may know you and find favor in your eyes and keep in mind that this is your nation. These are your people. Some of us need to look at God and go, God, this is yours. This isn't mine. This is, you know, this is when you know it's a God-given dream because you go, it's not my fingerprints on it. It's yours. These are your babies. This is your dream. This is your people. This is your country. This is your city. This is yours, God. You called me by name. You told me to go. This is yours. And the Lord says, I myself will go with you. I will give you rest. I will go with you. We skip down to verse 17. It says, then the Lord said to Moses, I will do what you have said for you have found favor in my eyes and I have known you by name. He says, I will do what you have said. This is the Lord talking to Moses. I will do what you have said for you have found favor in my eyes. This is key. 
This is this pivotal moment. This is where today changes everything for you. Step six in this process is to abide. We love verse seven of John 15. Verse seven says, if you remain in me and my words remain, you ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. How many of us love that? How many of us pray that all the time? And we're like, I don't see it. I'm asking, I'm asking, I'm asking, I'm asking. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) But here's what I love about this. John 15, if you go back up to verse one, it says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. That's the burn. Did you hear me? That's the burn. That's the pressure. That's the tension. Those are those clinging moments. Those are those dependency moments. He, he, it says that he cuts off every branch of me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. Remain in me. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Verse five says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. This is it. This is his abiding presence. When we all of a sudden depend on him, And we start to obey what he is doing. And we start to be faithful with what he's given us. We're faithful with the dreams. We're faithful with the resources. We're faithful with what he's put in front of us. All of a sudden, he's going to go, dream with me. He's going to say, just like to Moses, whatever you ask. Why? Because I can trust your motive, is what God's saying. Because you've put your heart where it needs to be. Now you're dreaming what I'm dreaming. Now ask anything and I will give it. Why? Because we've developed a relationship. I said this at the beginning. Our dreams are an offshoot of a real relationship with Jesus. Why? Because we are abiding in him. We're letting it burn. He's pruning us and making us better. In those moments then, we are able to ask anything. Even Moses goes, you go with me. God says, okay. Some of us are dreaming in places of fear still. Our dreams are actually rooted in fear. So God's got to take us on this journey a little bit. So when we actually get to the feet of God and we obey what he's saying, all of a sudden these dreams are going to come to life and he's going to say that yes. He's going to say yes. Why? Because he can trust you with your heart. And it's not because you're perfect. It's because you're bold enough to sit at his feet. Boldness is just a willingness to say yes. Your your, your willingness to say yes, he go great. I will go with you. I will go with you. I will go with you. Ask anything. Abide. So tomorrow when you wake up and you go, who, what, when, where? Abide. Just abide. Abide by definition actually means to endure without yielding. Some of us think that abiding means just getting up on the the feet of God or in his lap. And yes, that is true. But actually by definition, it means to endure without yielding. 
It means to take a stand for what heaven is doing and not on your dime, not on your day, not in your business, not in your marriage, not in your health, not in your finances. Do you hear me? It means that I will stand. I will endure without yielding. I will do what heaven is doing. I will speak what heaven is speaking. I will say what heaven is saying. I will sing what heaven is singing. I will write what heaven is writing. I will build what heaven is building, period. That's what it means to abide. It means to withstand. It's a verb. It's action. Become like Christ. Sit with God. Abide and stand. Ask for anything. Ask for anything. We aren't asking God for enough. We actually had our mentor tell us this last month. He says, make your prayers hard for God. oh my gosh, I'm not doing that. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? He said, no, make your prayers hard for God. Ask anything. Remember, prayer is not begging to God. Sometimes we're like, God, please, I just really... Prayer is partnering with what heaven is doing. Prayer is a real relationship and connectivity point to the very presence of God so that you are able to pull it down to heaven. People ask all the time, what is dreaming? It's heaven on earth. It's my ability to actually sit with the presence of God and then to pull it down to this earth. That's what prayer is. It's not begging God for his results. It's partnering with him. He wants to give us more. We need to partner with what he's doing. Once we do that, we're turning the corner. We're sliding into home. Once we do that, once I abide with him and I'm asking anything and I'm willing to dream with God and I'm willing to build with God and I'm willing to sing what he's singing and go where he's going, that's what he's going to ask you to do. Step seven is go, 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 go. Be commissioned. Be commissioned. Go. Jesus models this lifestyle and then he invites us into it. Luke 4 says, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That is this year. This is the year of the dream where believers and the church actually rise up and say, see, see, do you see what God is doing? Isaiah 43, 18, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. Do not look at yesterday. Do you not see it? He is doing a new thing. He is making a way in the wilderness. He is making streams in the wasteland. Do you not see it? This is why Jesus came. He came to set you free and to give you freedom for others, to set people free. This is our greatest commission and this is our job today. Everybody stand. I want you to stand I want you to stand and here's where I want you to stand because we're going to do an altar call for two things. Number one, we are going to break the back of addiction and I would love Bridgeway's help on this. So any of our prayer team, please come down. I'm gonna ask that you actually dim the lights because we're gonna pray for two things today. We're gonna pray for addiction and we're gonna pray for abiding connection and heavenly power. If you are struggling with addiction today or you know someone who is struggling with addiction today, we are going to break the back. 
And we are gonna connect every part of our being to the source. This is why Jesus died for us. He died so we could run free and I am standing before you today completely free and it had nothing to do with my own power. It was one day I decided to connect to the source that has never stopped giving. So we are gonna pray for the back of addiction to be broken today. So if you or someone you know, I want you to come down. And the second thing is that if you wanna come and abide and you wanna come and stand and stand with what God is doing, what heaven's doing, I want you to come down and I want you to connect with what heaven is doing. We are the church, we are the ecclesia and it is time to take our commission seriously. It's time to take our outpost no more are we going to ask why God, we're going to ask what God. What are you doing and how can I partner with what you're doing and set this world on fire? So I'm going to say one prayer collectively and then I'm going to ask that you come down and stand in the gap or actually watch chains break today. We are breaking the back of scarcity. We will break the back of small mindedness. This is any addiction. This might be fear. This might be anxiety. This might be busy. This might be alcohol. This might be drugs. This might be porn. This is also going to add to the dreams that you have. This is also for the dreams that you have that God has given you that might even feel like are, you've been disappointed or unsure or unclear or the dreams that you so badly want but you don't even know what they are. You're gonna come down because God has a dream with your name written all over it. And he's gonna use that dream and your yes to bring heaven to earth. In Jesus' name. God, we give you our yes. You have our attention. You have our affection, Father God. And as a church, as your church, as your children, we give you our heart. We give you our mind. We give you our yes. Pastor Peter, will you come up here for just a second? Can we get people to pray over him? No, no, I'm praying for you. Uh-uh, right here. <laughs> Can we get some people to come and pray over him? What a lot of you don't know is that four years ago I was standing right there and Pastor Peter called me up and he says, you have fire in one hand and freedom in another. And in my head, I thought, does he know who he's talking to? And all I could do that day was say, yes, God, please, yes. And that's all that it takes. And so today, I'm going to echo that freedom and that fire right back. In your right hand, you have fire, and in your left, you have freedom. And every tear that you've cried and every dollar that you have invested and every child that you have brought to this earth and every journal entry that you have given and every conversation with your wife and every dream that you ever had, I want you to know that God sees it as an offering, Pastor Peter. 
and you have freedom and fire and he is going to set the captives free because of you and your ministry. And where the enemy has tried to convince you to play small and he has put a lid on it and he has tried to condemn you and play and, and put strategy around scarcity. Like I literally see the enemy trying to actually put strategy of scarcity around you. We break that in the mighty name of Jesus. We break the strategy, we break the ideas, we break logic, we break analytics, we break numbers, we break strategy, we break all of that in the name of Jesus. We pray that any system on your computer, any systems in this church, any process maps, anything that's written that is not of Jesus Christ in the mighty name of Jesus, I pray that it breaks right now. I don't care if it does more work for John Fitch. I love John Fitch with my heart. I don't care. That man, now I, I release on him the operations of heaven. John, in your hold, I saw this over you the other night, in your hold, I know you want to run and I know you have the the oomph to run and the fire to run, but just like in your weight training, in your holding moments, God is building the strength to hold the weight of the operations of heaven, to partner with what Pastor Peter is doing. We thank you, Father God, what you have brought, let no man tear apart. I thank you for new strategies that when these systems and processes start to break, God, that John starts to shout hallelujah that the walls come down and as things start to break and fall, that they, these two men actually together will rise and they will let it break so that heaven can be heard. That in the mess and even in the rubble of all this, God, that you instantly though, that they will see a suddenly of new operations and new building and new strategy and hope and renewed. And God, we see them rising up on wings like eagles. And I thank you for Christy Joy's sound. I thank you for the sound that you are going to give her, Father God. I thank you for the sound that's going to ruminate underneath her, God. I thank you the sound that's going to build underneath these operations and this strategy, Father God. In the mighty name of Jesus, I thank you for that sound. I thank you for her joy and her light and the colors that's going to come from her quiet place with you. I thank you for the boldness of this team. I thank you for Pastor Marlene, Father God. I see a boldness rising up within her. I see a lion rising up within her, God. God, I see her taking a generation, these babies with her to go, Father God. I see the full army of God rising up in this next generation of kids. You have my yes there, God, and we thank you for her yes. And then we thank you for every member of this Bridgeway family. Please raise your hand if you are a family of this house. And if you're a visitor, raise your hand too. We'll give this to you today too. God, we thank you for this family. God, this is Aslan's army. We thank you, Father God, that you have a community here in this town that now, God, we will go. We will be commissioned. We will pray bold prayers we will hold high standards with no expectation because all we need to know is that you are good and you are God. I thank you for the children of this house, God, that together we will go to this city in a new, fresh way. Fire and freedom to operations, to sound, to the next generation, to this church body, God, this will be your ecclesia. And from this day forward, January 15th, it will never be the same. 
And I mean that with my whole spirit and with all of heaven echoing all over this room. Manifest today, God. You, our lives will spin on your glory, Father God. And we thank you that that sound of my voice, that your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name I pray. We're gonna continue this time. So if you want to come down and receive more prayer, please come down. We're gonna break the back of addiction and we are gonna set you free with these freedom, with this, these dreams that God has given you. So Father, I thank you for uh, honoring this dear woman who is uh, going to the nations, who is transforming lives through breaking limiting beliefs and causing them to soar in kingdom vision. She's born to run and she's born to lead. And so Lord, uh, today we just bless her uh, with listening to the word, but we also bless her with uh, our gifts as well. And we just thank you for her ministry. We ask for increase over her life in Jesus' name, amen. The podcast, The Bible in a Year with Jack Graham, is a moving and inspiring biblical audio experience that will help you master wisdom from the world's greatest book. In each episode, you'll learn to apply biblical principles to everyday life. Each cinematic episode is a journey through the Bible's most profound stories that will strengthen your appreciation of the Word and inspire you to keep learning. Listen to The Bible in a Year with Jack Graham on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. What's up, y'all? Janice Torres here. And I'm Austin Hankwitz. We're the hosts of Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks. Join us as we speak with small business owners about the tools they use to turn their ideas into success. From finding that initial spark of entrepreneurship to organizing payments and invoices, we've got you covered. So follow and listen to Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. You've probably heard a lot about electrified vehicles lately. Well, Toyota has electrified options for every lifestyle. We've got hybrids, no plug needed. But we also have plug-in hybrids, if that's your thing. <laughs> you can even go 100% electric in the Toyota BZ4X. With so many options for reducing carbon emissions, Toyota is electrified, diversified. Oh, oh, oh. Learn more about our Beyond Zero vision for the future at toyota.com slash beyondzero. 